0: We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. That's gusto.com slash boss. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. And this is Being Boss. In this episode of Being Boss, we're talking about the tangle of work and identity, the things you learn from sticking to your entrepreneurial path and owning your weird with our boss boyfriend, Jason Zook. Jason is a serial entrepreneur who has made millions through various weird methods, from wearing t-shirts and auctioning off his last name to selling his future and building online courses and software platforms. He's also author of a new book called Own Your Weird. Jason has been a guest here on Being Boss a couple of times, so if you want to hear those too, check out episodes 38 and 141. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club.
1: Whether you're building up your side hustle or working for yourself full-time, you'll quickly learn that as a creative entrepreneur, the work you do isn't always, well, creative. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting is here to help. I personally use and love FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. It's easy and intuitive, but robust enough to keep me organized. They have automated systems that help me track my expenses and invoice my clients so I get paid faster without the headache of chasing down payment. FreshBooks is the number one accounting software in the cloud designed to make billing painless for small businesses and their teams. Today, over 10 million small businesses use FreshBooks to effortlessly send professional-looking invoices, organize expenses, and track their billable time. Try FreshBooks Cloud Accounting for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter "being boss" in the how did you hear about us section. All right, bosses, you may or may not have noticed... We've only been putting out an episode once a month this year and it's just been me and Emily here chatting with each other but today we have a very special guest our boss boyfriend Jason Zook.
2: Hello. Hello. That's how I wanted I to say I feel like hey. we should
1: like insert claps and cheers. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> seven seven people clapping quietly just like <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: we right. Or okay, so oh, okay. just snapping. Well, okay, yeah, side yeah, yeah, yeah. side tangent here. David and I had a conversation in the car recently while listening to one of the great songs featuring Little John. Little John, mm-hmm. I suppose. And we talked Little, about how yeah. fun it would be if we had him on the show and then we got some sound bites so that we could have him going, what? Yeah. Occasionally. Oh,
2: yeah. Or I've always wanted a I mean, soundboard.
0: I think we need a being boss soundboard.
2: Yeah, that would be really fun.
1: Well, speaking of soundboard... I just got a Slack notification from you, Jason, that you're going on some radio shows. I feel like those are full of the sound boards.
2: <laughs> Jason, uh, tell us what you're up to.
1: Burp, burp,
0: burp, burp.
2: Like, <laughs> There's no reason to have air horns there. Why do we have air horns? And because radio, that's why.
0: Right? Because that button button yeah. had not been pushed in a long time.
2: It, very dusty buttons. <laughs> dusty buttons over at the radio station. <laughs>
0: So radio,
1: you're going on radio to promote your book.
2: I've done this before. You know, it's one of those things, you ladies know this too, like as much as you don't want to do some of the things, you do want to do as much as you can, right? Like you don't want to look back and go, I spent all this time writing a book or doing whatever. And then you just don't do one thing that's going to take like one day of your time. Like there are many things I'm not going to do, but a radio tour is super easy. Like it's like three to five minutes. You get to talk to all the DJs around the country. (laughs) Uh, We did zero
1: radio shows to promote our book. And I wish that I could say it's because we're too cool for radio. Yeah. We just didn't get invited.
2: I'm just going to have fun with it. Like, I've done one of these before. Literally 10 years ago, I did one of these for my I Were Your Shirt project. And I remember at that time, I mean, I, I was so excited because I actually thought it was going to matter. And I realized it didn't. And I know that it's not really going to matter this time. But I'm just taking it with a grain of salt and just being like, OK, how can I make this fun? You know, like, what? I'm just going to be like, how's it going in Cincinnati? Like, I'm going to pretend to be the radio host or do something <laughs> weird. So I got to make it fun, you know?
1: And that's what we expect you to do here on Being Boss today, is to just pretend like you are all one of the bosses here
0: right we, I, you're I gonna make it fun soundboard noises I, are
2: welcome okay okay yes I will be the little John soundboard
1: <laughs> so speaking <Yeah>. of <laughs> that's enough you're welcome okay All right. so speaking of I wear your shirt days I feel like that's whenever you kind of became a big deal the big deal that you are now was starting with I Wear Your Shirt. So tell us a little bit about that and just a little bit about who you are for our listeners who haven't been around for a few years and haven't heard one of your multiple Being Boss episodes.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll call it going from no deal at all to a small deal. How about that? Because I don't want to say that I'm a big deal. And I still, I honestly don't think that at all because I think people who are big deals, like they kind of, you, you carry that weight and you also feel like you have to live up to that constantly. And I Kind of lived that a little bit But anyway uh, I think we'll talk more about that Towards the end We've discussed this But I started this project Called I Wear Your Shirt In 2009 The idea was I wanted to Get paid to wear A different company's t-shirt Every day And promote them on social media Now For everyone listening to this now It sounds They're like Okay yeah it's fine That's Instagram influencers That's YouTubers That's all this stuff This is 10 years ago. Like Twitter was a baby. Facebook was just opening up from being college only. Like YouTube was not really very active. So I was, I will give myself credit. I was very ahead of the curve on this, but I also had no clue what I was doing. Uh, But the idea was unique. I mean, it was this wear a t-shirt every day, promote companies on social media, create content. We all know that now, but this wasn't a thing. And so when I did it, it was really novel. It was also right after the recession. So I did this pricing scheme where it was $1 on the first day two dollars in the second day three dollars in the third day so the whole calendar year was for sale and it was just a way that i wanted to help tell stories of companies that probably didn't get much love or didn't get much advertising and just try and make money in a weird way just do something that wasn't the normal i was a designer so like sitting at a desk You know punching my keyboard moving my mouse. It's what I still ended up doing for the most part But it just felt really unique and interesting to me and and that was really what excited me and and I I found that that was kind of the big deal for me was Holy shit. I can come up with an idea and I can just do it and then I can make money and people can find it And I was so inspired by the million dollar homepage, which was like even five years before that So that was like crazy early on Um, So, yeah, that was my start. I did that for five years. Uh, I made over a million dollars with that business. I ended up over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. It didn't go well. I had to fire a bunch of employees. I tried to grow in the startup, you know, kind of mindset because I thought I had to keep up. Uh, but I worked with over 1,600 brands, 10 of which were in the Fortune 100. Uh, I, you know, randomly got a check for $25,000 in the mail and didn't even know who it was from. Like, weird stuff was starting to happen in that time of my life. But I also ended up being super depressed by the end of it, super burnt out. I couldn't touch a video camera for five years because I just did it so much. And yeah, I learned a ton of lessons, but uh, it was fun. It was it's a, It's so easy to look back on now, but at the time, it was really tough. <laughs>
1: And then I feel like whenever I met you, your last name was Surferap.
2: Yeah, so I think we got connected around that time. So in 2012, my And mom... I have to say
1: I legit thought that your last name was just Surferap.
2: <laughs> well, I mean it it was. I mean technically I know, like but I went. Like... Yeah. But like for all times, you mean. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. It it seems like it, right? Like it seems like a Norwegian or Swedish name, like, <laughs> oh yes. Surferap. You know, just like it makes sense. Uh, no, I, I so I did this i reassure project and through that, I had like sponsored road trips, sponsored fitness challenge. Like I just started doing like fully sponsored life pretty much. Uh, and it was fun. Like I really did enjoy it. It like had me do all these cool things, but one not cool life thing that happened was my mom ended up going through a divorce and it was my third last name at the time. Cause I'd been adopted a couple times before that. And so I didn't feel like my identity was shaped by my name. Like so many people, you know, so many people had the same name, like their entire lives or they get married and like, that's the only other name change. So for me, I had three names and I was stuck with this name with the situation I didn't like. And I just remember going, well, what if I just sold my last name? Like, I don't know what I want my last name to be, but I've done all this sponsored, like what if I had a sponsored last name? So I put up an auction, sold my last name. Uh, I thought it was gonna make like 5,000 bucks. Like I would have been super happy with that. I ended up making $45,000 the first year and then $50,000 the second year when I became Surfer App. So I literally made $100,000 pimping my last name for two years. Uh, and then my last name now is my great-grandfather's last name, who was an entrepreneur himself. And uh, I'm kind of carrying his legacy forward, which is cool. So, you know, I had like six last names, all with a bunch of weird different stories. and uh, But I just feel like my identity was really shaped in those years online and and through these weird projects, through these weird things, it's really like I've become like who, really who I am, like 100% me. Um, and it feels awesome to have done that through all these crazy projects. People are like, what? You did? sold your last name? You sold t-shirts? Like super weird.
0: So you've started making a name for yourself almost literally oh. Oh, by doing right. <laughs> but I'm Do yeah. like that? Yeah. There's the soundboard. <laughs> Thanks, soundboard. There's Catherine. the soundboard. <laughs> doing weird things. But even that was several years ago. What have you been up to since then? And how have you continued bringing this really unique view on how it is that you show up, especially on the internet, to provide value and make money? Like, How has that shaped what you've done since then?
2: Yeah. I mean, we could do like hours upon probably all the things that I've done since really 2013. But the very quick version of it is I wrote my first book and I didn't want to do it And like anybody else, obviously, people probably already understand that that's not going to happen. So I got sponsors for every single page of the books at the bottom of every page. There's just like a little 140 character message. It's not obtrusive. In fact, most of the companies just wrote like, we just wanted to support Jason and his projects and like super cool. Um, So my first book made me $75,000 before I wrote a single word of it which was awesome because I was afraid to write the book. I had no idea what I was going to write, Uh, but I wrote that book and then I just wanted something easy after that. Like I'd done all these weird big projects that take so much energy. It takes a lot to like just explain to people. So I started dabbling in online courses and you know, now 2019, as we're recording this, online courses are everywhere. Like we all get it. But it's funny, like you go to the grocery store, like we're not at the place where everyone's mom knows what they are, right? Like if you were just to ask somebody, like, do you know what an online course is? They'd be like, what? Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But in 2013, I was just starting to see some people doing this kind of like in our entrepreneurial circle. And I was like, oh, this seems a lot easier than the crazy stuff I've been doing. And so I started, I created a couple of courses, some on my own, some with our our other being boss boyfriend, uh, Paul Jarvis. And and that was good. Like that was much easier money for the time spent and the work going into it. And I liked it. I like teaching. I like doing it in my own way. But it kind of felt just like, I don't like anyone could do it. And I felt like I was just following other people's plans. So I cobbled together a couple different like little software projects. I made my own online course platform because I couldn't find one that I liked. So I had a software app called a SaaS app for everybody in the biz. And I ended up with like eight different projects between courses and software. And then I decided, okay, I'm ready to do something weird again. And I sold my future. So I sold t-shirts, I sold my last name, sponsors in a book, and then eventually ended up with this buy my future idea where I packaged all of my things up my work things and put them together in like one kind of weird bundle if you will and said anyone can buy this for a thousand dollars and then you get everything i make in the future at no cost so not at all and one Kathleen Shannon literally bought it while we were recording an episode of this podcast, I remember, which was super fun. I had no idea you were going to do that. It
1: wasn't by my future. It was more of like I was trying to just buy your friendship. And we've well, been and friends you did. ever since. You, it 100% worked.
2: <laughs> worked. I will answer all of your emails, all of your texts, all of your Slack messages. Other people, I ignore them. They didn't pay me $1,000. Why would I talk to them?
1: Exactly. No.
2: But yeah, that project was really fun. And, and that was kind of my way back in from the kind of normal, maybe traditional, you know, entrepreneurial stuff. And man, that really lit a fire under me again to just like do more weird things, put more stuff out there that's different. And so that evolved from by my future, which sold 178 spots, which was my first ever, quote unquote, six figure launch. I'd never done anything like that. Um, and I didn't even intend to. That just kind of like happened because I think the idea was so unique and there was so much value in it. And then that moved to Buy Our Future, so my wife and I combined, she had some courses and things, and then that last year transitioned into a business we have called Wandering Aimfully, which is a membership community. Uh, and then I had a couple different software projects, I actually sold most of those off, I just have Tea Tree now, just have Wandering Aimfully, just have this new book, uh, and then now we're actually starting to dabble in little stuff like Squarespace templates, and like just trying to balance out the bigger projects that are harder to explain the weird projects with like hey we just want to make some cash this month you know like anybody else like it's just nice to make a couple extra thousand dollars without not having to do a whole bunch of extra promotion and sales and all this other stuff so that's kind of like the i don't know if that was medium long-winded version of the stuff i've been doing for the past couple of years
1: i've got some questions So
2: sure, I'll answer them. You paid me. I have to
1: answer (laughs) I paid you to answer these questions (laughs) on my very successful podcast. Um, I have a question about burnout because this is something that Emily and I have been talking about in our newsletter. If you subscribe to our newsletter list, you got an email, a very candid, honest email that Emily was even a little bit nervous to hit send on all about our experience of burnout, which happened to us really right after our book was published. And it was Mm. just that like... Height, 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 you know, success, success, success. I can't say success without sounding like I'm saying sex, sex, sex. <laughs> sexy success. Success, sexy, sex. Some sexy success. <laughs> anyway, it it led to this burnout that almost has me a little gun shy, to be honest. And I'm, we're both just now crawling out of it after a year's worth of work. I got shingles around the same time that your wife got shingles. Mm, yep. And you know, just like the burnout and anxiety, it's real. And if you get shingles, you know that it's real, right? <laughs> yeah. If you get to where you can't really crawl out of bed, it's real. If you're crying every day, it's real. The burnout is real. So I guess my questions are one, how did other than the five years of time that it took to you know kind of shake off some of that burnout is there anything that you did to kind of get past that and is there anything are you ever afraid of hitting that amount of success again because you feel like it's inevitable that with the highs there will be a low
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the irony here is that as much as we all feel like we're all going through burnout and it's, you know, oh man, I can't believe like, I can't believe I'm going through burnout. And then you send that email and you're super hesitant. And then you get like a hundred replies of people that are like, I went through burnout last year. I had shingles, but you know, it's just like, then everyone comes out of the woodworks. And I think part of it is that, you know, Emily, where you had hesitation of hitting send on that email most people just won't hit send. They won't hit publish. They won't do anything. They won't even admit that it happened because a lot of this is what really burned me out with i shirt, which is we feel like we have to show up online as these perfect people all the time. Even if we're saying like, Oh, but like I'm, I'm unique and I'm real and I only show up and do these things, but it's still like a really nice looking photo. It's still a really thoughtful written caption. Like you're not just laying in bed, taking a photo and like scribbling out some words. And, and I think the constant creative energy that we're having to put into our work and put out into the world to represent who we are to me i think that's the number one cause of burnout for the people in our space and in our bubble and i don't think there's really any advice that anyone can give because i feel like in caroline my wife and i talk about this all the time like it's the hot stove moment so it's like For Emily, it's different. For Kathleen, it's different. For me, it's different. And you have to get to that point to where your hand is getting so close and you're like, I feel like I'm kind of... And then you just like, you burned your hand and you go, okay, now this has to heal. Now, how long does that take to heal? For some people, it's years. For some people, it's months. For some people, it may never heal and you may never come back to doing whatever you were doing. And I just, I don't know that there's any way to avoid it. And I think the reason is because this time that we live in, like all of us that are listening to this podcast, you guys making this podcast, we have not experienced this long enough to understand the repercussions of the things that we do. And there's not enough data. There's not enough time. There's not enough that goes into it. And it's like, we all know by this point, cigarettes are terrible for you. So if you're going to smoke a cigarette, you just know, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this and it's going to be bad for me. But we have no idea like how much time we spend on social media is like The effects of cigarette for you like if you scroll through social media for an hour Is that as bad as smoking a pack of cigarettes for your mental health? No one knows like we just don't have the data But I think all of us having these things happen these burnout moments I think it's showing us that we just don't know how to directly correlate it because there's not necessarily a physical act that we're going I'm doing x i'm feeling y These you know, like there's some type of congruency here and and just think that another part of this burnout thing is like I don't know. Part of it is we all have big dreams, right? Like, you know, you guys have awesome things you want to do. I have awesome things I want to do. It takes a lot to do that. And I don't think there's anything that can be stopped with that at some point. If you just believe so much that you want to do it and you just have to figure out what happens kind of as you go through that process.
0: That made me feel like I need to take a nap.
1: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right? Now we all need a nap. Now I need <laughs> to Just nap. even thinking about burnout. So I suppose for me, I don't know how much both of you either of you will relate to this but for me and it could be where my stars and planets were lined up whenever I was born that I have a bunch of stuff in my 10th house anyway my (laughs) identity is my work like I see myself as a creative entrepreneur I see myself as a designer I see myself as a creative person in general and that is who I want to be like whenever I'm on my deathbed (laughs) Whenever Emily and I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on Being Boss, whenever we were writing our book, there were so many like on our deathbed moments that we had to edit out of the book. Like we just can't be talking about our deathbed the whole time. But a lot of it is like, who who is it that you want to be? And we have the freedom and flexibility to be our own boss, to determine what that is. And so I think that for me, and this ties back to the burnout, I think a lot of the shame happens whenever I feel like I'm not being successful at being who I am am right and a lot of that is tied to the success of my work and these like external factors deciding right so for me a lot of my burnout recovery was really figuring out who I am beyond the metrics beyond the work beyond all of the things so I'm curious to hear from the two of you do you feel like your work plays a big part into your identity and do you think that that leads to burnout or you know do you have any other insights around that topic Oh boy,
0: yes. I feel like that's sort of been the overarching sort of lesson I've had to learn and like inner work I've had to do pulling myself out of burnout is releasing my ego attachment to the things that I create and produce and releasing the idea that any amount of my worth is tied to the hours that I clock in or what it produces. And like, and even saying that out loud, it I don't believe that like (laughs) I think there's still some work to be done where yes I still definitely tie my worth on some level to what it is that I'm able to produce for the world and not necessarily you know within my own family or at my house or for myself but it is that like outward expression of who I am um so that has absolutely been the thing that I think about almost constantly and is obvious something I still need to think about
2: and there's so many uh, like touch points to external validation now, you know, like likes on Instagram is one, but sales of a product is another or compliments of people via email or meeting someone in person and them talking about like, oh, I've heard your podcast or whatever. And like all of these things can really build you up. And then you kind of get used to that. Right. And and that's, I think a big part of what I had to let go of when I wear your shirt kind of tumbled down toward the end was. I mean, I was talked about on all the news outlets. Like, uh, I was starting to get text messages from people who like, my brother just sent me a photo of you on the Jiffy Loop, like, TV screen and the waiting thing. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And and it's just like, that felt good. Like, I'm not going to lie. that That's super interesting. I mean, it's a stupid thing to, like, care about that. But I think we all don't know how good external validation feels until you get it. And then it's like a drug. I mean, it's like anything else. Like, you just kind of get addicted to it. And I don't necessarily know that, you know, for you two ladies, like some of the things I love about you guys so much is that you're so honest and you're so real with everything that you do. And I'm not going to say the A word, uh, Kathleen, don't worry, but,
1: Authentic.
2: <laughs> but I, I do think that there is something to doing that at all times. It, it perpetuates the cycle of external validation. And and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. You know, like me creating all these weird ideas and weird things and, and interesting projects, like I continue to do it because it feels so good to continue to show up that way.
0: Yeah, and something that really hit home for me is whenever you mentioned the idea that is this constant creativity that we have to like to do these creative, especially online businesses these days, We are expected to not only produce the thing that we are here to offer people, but to continually produce other things that support that thing and draw people to it. And that for me has definitely been a place where I've had to draw back from a lot of that sort of peripheral creativity to focus on the actual creativity. And I think balancing that is one, is going to be one of the greater challenges that we all face in this arena is, you know, what are you actually here to create? And how about we make that a priority?
1: Wait, say more about that, Emily. Like, what do you mean? Because for me, that shows up even with being boss. Like, we're talking about the work versus doing the work, even though producing a podcast is a ton of work, for sure. For me, it's like my um you know coming home to graphic design again you know i feel yes. like i'm really in it and doing the work and It's like breathing to me. Designing feels like a second language that I'm incredibly fluent in, and I feel like I'm good at it. And so for me, I think a lot of burnout, too, happens whenever I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And that's a lot of what entrepreneurship is. And I wonder if that's maybe even the biggest challenge of entrepreneurship is just getting comfortable with not knowing what you're doing. Even, Jason, you were talking earlier about during the I Wear Your Shirt days you didn't know what you were doing, but that's part of what made it so creative and awesome and weird and cool. But it's also what, you know, it's two sides of the same coin. It can also lead to burnout and just feeling insecure and shitty all the time.
2: And this to me is part of the enough mindset, right? Like I think that's something we've tried to adopt over the years, which is number one, like how much work do we have to do every day? Like what's enough work? Like when can we turn it off? Because there's always going to be more work to be done. Like that was for years, like Caroline and I would go on walks every day with our dog and she would go, uh, you know, like how much more work do you have to do today? And I would just be like, well, it's endless. (laughs) Like it's, there's never like a, "Uh, you know, I'm done. Like I don't have to do any more ever again. Like I finished it all. Yay. It's just not realistic. And I, I do think that there's something to be said for defining what enough means across the board, both for how creative do you have to be? Because that's something we run into of like, how different does this sales page have to look? How unique does this product have to be? How different does this have to feel once you buy it and like are experiencing this thing? That's a lot of effort and it's just continual and it never stops. And, and so I think defining both the enough of like, this is good enough, um, you know, for design, like you run into that, Kathleen, so much. I remember I used to be a designer many moons ago and you would have to just stop because at a certain point you go, well, I could keep. Making this different, I could keep moving things around, I keep changing things, but it's good enough, and I just have to let go and I think that's so much of what just being a creative person is is figuring out again. It's almost like the hot stove moment there too, which is when is it enough to stop and then on the other side, I think the other thing that we get caught up in a lot as entrepreneurs is the ability to make more money like it's we can make money out of thin air to some degree. And if you do that constantly and forever, like you never get off that treadmill because you just always want to make more money. So you really have to define what is enough for you to stop or at least to just go, okay, here's my range. And I don't have to go above that. You know, if other people are making a million dollars a year or a hundred thousand dollars a month or whatever, good for them. But that's not me. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hire people. I don't I, like we're good with this amount of money and we can just move on.
0: We know that when it comes to booking travel, it's oftentimes a big calendar game because as a boss, we know your calendar is full. When it comes to managing blocks of time for travel and taking care of all the little meetings along the way, we use Acuity Scheduling to help us make time for what's most important to us. Acuity Scheduling helps us reschedule meetings with clients so we can make room for adventure and keeps our scheduled time away free from those unexpected meetings that always seem to pop up at the last moment. By syncing with our calendars and automating scheduling and reminders for our clients, Acuity saves us from the day-to-day drudgery of having to manage it all by hand, leaving us time to choose just the right outfits and scope out those must-eat meals. For a limited time only, you can get 45 days of Acuity Scheduling absolutely free. No credit card required by going to acuityscheduling.com slash being boss.
1: Bosses who have signed up for Podia have made 10,154 sales for a total of almost $655,000 in revenue. We don't know a boss who isn't currently thinking about scaling their business online. And if you were to ask us about creating online courses, digital downloads and memberships, well, we'd send you to Podia. Podia is the all-in-one hassle-free platform for online courses, digital downloads and memberships. We've researched all the platforms and hands down Podia is the best. Podia has a 14 day free trial with no credit card required. Try it out for free and get fifteen percent off for life by signing up at podia.com slash bosses. Again, that's podia.com slash bosses. Okay, Jason, I have a couple of questions about making a million dollars that I wear your shirt. So sure. like Super successful, but you were also super depressed. So do you feel like you've adopted any terrible money stories along the way? Like what's your <laughs> relationship with money right now?
2: My relationship with money now is good, but there is a little bit of scarcity mindset where I feel like we've just had this thing in the back of our minds of like we really want to have a hundred thousand dollars stashed away in a savings account. And we can't quite seem to get there. Like there's always something that comes up. So like Caroline's Health earlier this year, like we had to pull money out of savings because we just went to like every holistic doctor there was, which is fine. Like that's why that money exists. And we absolutely wanted to go that route. And we're so fortunate that we could spend that money and do that. But it's like we, that's the only part of the scarcity thing for me. And then, you know, also our money is not as repeatable and predictable as people who maybe work nine to five jobs or as people who have like a successful app and it just makes a bunch of money and, you know, they do that. And and that's what we're really trying to work toward. And so I think for me, you know, kind of like my my biggest thing with money is we got out of debt, $124,000 in debt after um, I Wear Your Shirt and it took us two years. And we wrote a whole post about it. If people want to go deep on it, it's at wanderingaimfully.com slash debt. It's also in the book if you want to read it. But uh, a and we'll big part include,
1: of- we'll include links to all those things in our show notes as well.
2: Cool. And, and a big part of that for me is- now, though, I have this, like, even when, like, a $1,000 is on our credit card, I, like, freak out. I'm like, ah, I don't want to do it. And then I have to take a step back and go, hold on a second. Like, it's not... Possible to like 100% be debt free all the time when you're not at the place where you've figured it all out. And I do feel like we will get to a place like with my software app that I have, with our Wandering Game Fleet community and everything, like we will be making more money than we spend on a very consistent basis and it will be a more fluid system. But like we're kind of still in the first year of our new business. And just like anybody else, like even with the years of experience we have, we're still running into, oh crap, like we had $700 we had to spend here. And then like this money didn't transfer from Stripe fast enough. And like, hold on, like how did we run into a cash flow issue again? This is ridiculous, but it's a constant thing that we all deal with no matter how much we charge, no matter how much we make. I'm just glad now that I don't have like vendor bills of (laughs) $20,000 to like a t-shirt printing company or even employees, like, you know, we don't have employees. So I don't have money like that that kind of holds me back. And that was really a big lesson for me. I can't operate a business with those things hanging over my head. It stresses me the hell out. So I like just knowing it's us. And if it ever grows to someone else being on our team, that's great. But like we have to have the money in the bank to be able to pay for them and not have to have to like show up every month and think about it.
0: It sounds like all of your experience has given you a lot of self-awareness as to how it is that you want to show up and be an entrepreneur and where your boundaries lie in the things that you create, which is amazing.
2: And it's it's how we want to do it. Like, I think all of us get so excited and inspired and motivated when we read these, these stories or these posts or we hear these podcasts of these successful people. And it's like, damn it, I wish I was just like that person. Or I wish I just had like their amount of money or whatever. But the thing that like there's so much context we don't see b- below the surface of all of that. And I think that's the thing where the self-awareness has really kicked in for me, Emily, because on paper... I wear your shirt made $1.2 million in five years. But the context is I was $124,000 in debt, 50 pounds overweight. I had to fire seven employees, including my wife. I hated the video camera and my entire life was miserable. So it's like on paper, wow, look at this guy who did this super cool thing in reality. Such a bummer. <laughs> and I've
0: heard stories like that so many times too from the people that we exactly. all like love and you know put on the highest pedestals. They're making twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a month, but they are the saddest individuals on the face of the planet.
1: And I don't think that, you know, making twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a month is automatically going to make you sad, but I have found that there is some truth to the like the mo money mo problems. Oh, like it's a hundred percent. Yeah. It, it's so much more to um, manage and figure out. So for me, the enoughness
0: mm-hmm. is like
1: enough to eat out of season avocados if I want to,
2: <laughs> enough to
1: go on vacations, enough to afford the house that I live in. Previously in Oklahoma, now in Michigan. I don't live in Hawaii. I don't live in California. Like, I and and that's the thing. You know, back to what we were talking about with the comparison trap, though. Is that even just recently someone was mentioned the exact number that I make in my salary. They mentioned that number and acted like it was nothing. Mm. They were like, oh, and I was only making X amount of money. And I feel like I've done well for myself until they said that. And I instantly fell into this like, oh, am I not making enough money? And it really just is this. You have to get you have to look at your own context and your own circumstances. I make plenty of money for the amount of time that I work for living the lifestyle that I want to live, and it's good, it's good to go. But, oh, sorry, one other point that I wanted to make was, I've just gone to the point of assuming that anyone who I become jealous of on Instagram has like a ton of terrible, awful <laughs> circumstances or hard decisions that they have to make every single day You know, like, I just don't assume the best, that everyone has the best, which is where I used to be probably early in my creative entrepreneurship career. I would look at everyone else and think, oh, they've got it figured out. It's better. It's perfect. They don't have. And this probably also comes from, you know, working with lots of rock stars and people who are doing incredible things. They have incredible problems that they have to solve constantly. And it's really hard.
2: I posted an incredibly stupid thing on Instagram a while ago, which was like, Every successful person that you look up to, at least once every couple months, has a really messy poop. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how great your team is. I don't care how great your work is. Like, you're having one of those situations where it's like, damn, everything else in life is great. But like right now, this is a bummer. And it's it's both a metaphor and a literal thing, but it's like, it, it's the truth. It, everyone goes through some type of messy situation and it's just a lot of people don't show it. And I think the money thing is so interesting. I, I've actually been thinking a lot about it, almost like fitness, which I know that you, know, you, you ladies definitely care about and, and see the value in, which is you know that if you don't keep up with fitness, your body will not be fit. Like, you have to keep doing it. And it's kind of the same thing with the enoughness mindset of money, which is every day you almost have to tell yourself, I make enough money for me. And it's almost like your workout. Like, I'm doing a workout that works for me. I'm not going to be doing a boot camp seven days a week, three times a day to be like a fitness model who's in the Fabletics commercials. Like, I want the legs of the women in those commercials like no like i'm just like wow i literally would love to have those and wear those pants but it's it's the same thing with money where you have to show up every day and you have to say okay i don't care what anyone else is making it does not matter do i have the house that i love yes can i put the out-of-season avocados on all of the sourdough bread that i want to buy that's artisanal yes can i go on the trips i want to go on yes do i maybe have to save for them for a year yes but I can do all the things that I want to do. And that's for us. It's the same thing. Like we have to come back to that constantly because we get stuck in these spirals of even previous us. Like I mentioned the buy my future $178,000 launch. I have not done anything close to that in any project since, And I have comparison traps to previous me. And I look Mm -hmm. at that person as like an asshole. And I'm just like, God, like, how did you make all this money? Previous me. And it's just, you can't do that. You have to just every day, like the fitness thing, like keep showing up, keep telling yourself it's enough. It's okay. You're moving forward. You're happy. That's all that matters.
0: Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler than with SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. With SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes, it's just a click, send, and save for as low as $4.99 a month. Send envelopes, flats and packages right from your desk and you are back to business in no time. And for being a being boss listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free 10-pound scale to ensure that you never overpay. Save time and money on mailing and shipping with SendPro online. Starting at $4.99, you also can qualify for special USPS rates for letters and priority mail shipping, calculate exact postage online, and print from your PC. Go to pb.com slash being boss to access this special offer for a free 30 day trial, plus a free 10 pound scale to get started. That's pb.com slash being boss experience shipping made simple with a free trial of SendPro online from Pitney Bowes.
1: Okay. I mentioned that it's really hard and that most people, you can assume, are going through hard things as entrepreneurs, but I want to talk about the upside a little bit, like the upside of money, the upside of entrepreneurship. What excites the both of you the most right now about entrepreneurship and creative entrepreneurship?
2: Emily, I've been talking a lot, so I'm gonna to defer to you.
0: Right? Today is probably everyone's not a like, good day. To everyone's ask me a like nothing like that. <laughs> just don't do it. Well <laughs> No, but it, it is because what I will say is I didn't work this morning. I there came you go. in from like a long weekend and was not feeling diving in this morning. So I sat on my front porch in the rain and I read a totally for pleasure though that not that kind of pleasure, fiction book. (laughs) And And Emily's reading Fifty Shades of Grey right right. now. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm reading the second one. No, I'm totally just kidding. (laughs) Totally just kidding. I'm not. Um, But and that for me was everything to me, for me to be able to make that choice to spend half of my day just doing what I wanted to do and asking no one for permission and no one like throwing me any like guilt looks or anything for taking that time for myself. For me, the freedom to choose how I spend the day will always be my favorite thing about being an entrepreneur.
2: We've been saying this to each other a lot lately, which I think anyone can steal, especially people who work for themselves, which is imagine yourself tomorrow having to get in your car, sit in traffic, Drive to an office, sit in a cubicle with terrible fluorescent lighting, with coworkers you hate, with a boss that micromanages you like crazy. Like, imagine that's your life. Then look at your current day today, and it's just that perspective is incredible, and it it really is so important. It's the same thing I just said about the money and the fitness. Like every day, you have to figure out how do I make sure that I'm not just falling into the like, oh well, I had to like send emails for 20 minutes today, you know? And it's like. Imagine you literally had to sit in like a spreadsheet all day for eight hours and that was your entire existence. And I don't mean that as a criticism of people who have I to do that Emily now. I think Emily
1: would love that. I think Emily <laughs> would love to That's go like That's oh like my dream
0: day. Emily's like, hold God. on,
2: this is an option? Wait, yes. Wait,
0: screw my inbox, give me the spreadsheet. No. But Everyone has their thing. Everyone exactly. has their thing. Everyone has the thing that they would hate doing all day, the thing they would love doing. It takes all kinds for sure. But I think you're right. And that has been one of the things that has kept me very grounded over probably the entirety of my career. Every time things get hard, every time things get boring, or every time I'm not making enough money, or um, a client is being obnoxious, or you know, a launch doesn't go as well, or it does go great. Whatever it may be, it is always that though that keeps me really grounded. Like The ability that we have to shape our own day and to weed out the things that we don't want to, to not have that commute, to not have to sit in fluorescent lighting because that would be the death of me. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, those for us to have the freedom to make those choices for ourselves is is everything.
2: And going back to your question, Kathleen, for me, the thing that I have learned and love about entrepreneurship and like doing my own thing is like the specific example for me is Tea Tree. So Tea Tree is this online course software that I have. I've never marketed it. I've never promoted it. It's only ever just been mentioned in things. And the entire goal was it's just a side project. I wanted it. I wanted to build it for other people so that they could have a great platform. And over the years, it has made a very modest amount of money. And we're getting to the point now where it's making decent money. It's about $7,000 a month that it's making. And there's no marketing, there's no promotions, there's no nothing but I'm I'm at this really interesting place where I decided to buy out my original co-founder because he's just not in it anymore. Super amicable departure, which is great. So I'm buying him out for like the next couple months. I brought in another developer to replace him to like do features and all this other stuff, and we're running into like hiccups and things, just like you do when you're building things. But the really interesting thing that I now see with Tea Tree that I haven't been able to see for years is in about six months, (laughs) I'm going to go from making $0, because I'm investing everything in buying out the partner and paying this developer, to making what looks like as a forecast of about seven to $8,000 a month just for our family, like just for me, which is incredible. So that to me is like one of the greatest things of entrepreneurship is, sure, it may take years, it may take a lot of work, it may take a lot of effort, but you can get to a place where something is making you such an exponential return on your time and on your investment that you can't see anywhere else. And, you know, for teachery, who knows how long this kind of ecosystem of online courses is going to be around. I think it's going to be around for a while, because I think this is the future of education is being able to choose your teachers and the things you want to do and all that stuff. And we're all benefiting of that, right? Like we've all taught stuff and it's, it's proven really to work well, but I'm so excited for, okay, that's next year. What does two years look like? And now if it's double that, I don't need to go any higher than that. That's a great amount of money because I don't want to have, again, I don't have employees and other things, but that to me is the beauty of entrepreneurship, Kathleen, is is really this ability to make your own money and continue to grow that on your own pace, at your own level, with your own decisions. And you don't have to fall into any of the like, And that's what I talk about in the book. Like you don't have to follow other blueprints. You don't have to follow their paths. Like you make your own, you figure it out, you do it your own way. It may get a little bit muddy. It may be a little bit messy at times. Uh, Cue the uh, poop sound effect. Uh, But it's it's just all part of the process.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually curious, going back to your early days of entrepreneurship and feeling like you didn't know what you were doing. Like has that feeling lifted or have you just become comfortable with that feeling of not knowing what you're doing? Or have you learned that that's the magical part of... Making something innovative and creative?
2: I think it went it's gone from scared and nervous to now like maybe like confused, but a lot of opportunity. You know, like before it's like, oh I don't know, like I don't know how these are gonna do. Now it's like I just don't know what works anymore. You know, like I've done so many things and it's just all been so different. And and Caroline and I talk about this all the time. We're like, how can we just make this easier on ourselves? And the problem is that when we try to make it easier, it gets boring. And I think that's the big difference for me is that I need the like fire of the uniqueness in projects. I need the different thing I more than money. I mean, money is important. Yes, but I need people to tell me oh, like this is different than I've ever seen, or this feels so unique because we live in such a like time when everyone's created everything by this point. So to create something that is different or to do something in your own way. And that's, that's really kind of the whole reason why I wrote the book was just to illustrate the fact that number one, it is possible even for like, for me, like I'm just a nobody like anybody else, but two, it also feels really good when you define what that means to you. And it's not going to be easy and it's not going to get, I mean, it will get easier, but it's not ever going to be like just kind of like print money constantly. Um, And I think that for me is really the difference is it's still a mess and it's still confusing and it's still a little bit of like, why haven't we figured out Wandering Aimfully? But I'm also like, it's still fun to figure it out. And there's a lot of things we can do to figure it out and see how that goes.
1: Yeah, I think that that's huge. Everything is hard. This is what I've learned about being a grown up. Like everything is hard, (laughs) but how can you choose where to find the values in the hard work, right? So for me, my values might be I need security and I need honesty, right? So where can I find that in the actual work that I'm doing? For Emily, it's freedom. So where can you find the freedom in the hard work that you're doing? Jason, I have no idea what you value. I'm just kidding.
2: It's control and being weird. Okay, so so
1: control and being weird. Like, So where do you find that in the hard work? Like, It's really just about choosing your battles and then actually seeing that there's a lot of creativity and joy or all the things that you wanted are right there in the hard work.
2: And there's something really interesting too, and I know you ladies have come up across this, but the reframing for me of – Changing obstacles to opportunities has been an incredible mindset shift for me. So it's like, when something goes wrong or when something gets difficult, how can I not see this as a roadblock that completely stops all momentum? And instead see it as an opportunity to improve something or to make an experience better or to apologize to a bunch of customers if something didn't go the way that I hoped it would. And then you build fans for life, right? Like if you really just give them more than they thought. And so this opportunities, not obstacles thing has just been a really nice mental framework thing for me of, your website's going to go down. Your idea is going to fall flat. No one's going to buy the first course that you make. Uh, your Instagram isn't going to grow. But all of that doesn't have to be an obstacle. It can be an opportunity for you to go, okay, but how do I do this in a way that I still feel good about no matter what the external validation is? And then also, how do I go get that external validation? Like, what does that look like? And how can I be creative and unique and fun with that?
0: I think that that's one of the magic things about being an entrepreneur for as long as we all have is that you get past the fear and anxiety. Well, I say that it still (laughs) springs up sometimes for sure, but you get past the daily fear and anxiety and you start aligning yourself with what it is that you value and you see the opportunities. Um, all of those things. I think, I think that that is, that is what is instilled in you when you stick with it, even when it is hard.
2: Yeah. And I, I think, like, uh, this didn't end up making it in the book, but I've, I've talked about this in a couple of different places. Like, wait, I'm gonna getting... pause.
1: What is your book called? own your
2: it's own your weird and by the time this goes up it should be everywhere except for walmart i don't know why it didn't get on walmart (laughs) huge bummer no it's but it is it's it's on all the things i recorded the so if you're an audible person uh i'm actually really excited to hear from you so if you do buy the audio version please let me know if it was fun i had a lot of fun recording it um hopefully you've heard that i'm kind of weird and silly so i tried to put that into the audiobook but yeah own your weird it's on all the different places um, but what I was going to say is, so you bring up the the fear and anxiety and Emily, I think you're right. The way that I've thought about this is like fear is essentially, and I think I stole this from Liz Gilbert subconsciously and you ladies can tell me because you may know Liz Gilbert stuff more than I do. But basically like you have a smart car, which is your entrepreneurial life and you're driving it. But fear is essentially like passenger screaming in your face. Right. And so it's just really hard to do anything because fear is just in your face constantly. But then as you get further along your entrepreneurial journey, guess what? Your smart car turns into like a 1988 Ford Taurus and it gets a little bit longer and fear maybe moves to the backseat <laughs> and you can still hear fear and it's still screaming at you. But like, it's just a little further away. Like you're a little bit more detached from it. And I feel like the longer you go through entrepreneurship and do stuff, the more stretched out the car gets, you know, and eventually it's like this big Econoline van, like one of those creepy white vans with no windows, <laughs> but fears like all the way in the back And you've even put up like a retaining wall or something and you can't, it's like a muffled sound. So it's still there. And I think even like for me, I'm 13 years into being an entrepreneur and working for myself, fear still comes up. Like we just launched a project this morning as of recording this. And of course I still had fear that no one was gonna buy, people were gonna hate it, all the work we did was gonna be for naught. But I didn't let that stop any of the things that we were doing and it really didn't slow us down. It just was like a muffled sound in the back of my brain as opposed to when I started I Rear Your Shirt, Fear was screaming at me in the face and I had to do everything in my power to just not let it derail me. And a lot of that just becomes just being naive and just going like, okay, but I just want to see what's going to happen, fear. Like you can yell at me, but like, I still just want to try.
1: Uh, so I, I felt so blessed by my naive, naive, I have the hardest time with that word. You can do it. Sexy success. Naive, Come on, you got this. Naivety, <laughs> naivety, Naive. Yeah,
2: however naivety. you want. If you want to put a little, little, little spice on it. Yeah.
1: I feel incredibly blessed by how much I didn't know whenever I first started. And it was really just one step at a time and there was a lot of excitement in it. And so those first two years are, let's get this off the ground, let's see if it works. Oh, it's working, it's working. Okay, now let's scale it and grow it. Oh, okay, we can do that too. The opportunities are endless. And then around years four and five, maybe even six, four, five, and six, I started to know more of what I don't know I've been in it long enough that there were some things about it that just felt like a chore or felt like, you know, a capital J job. It almost felt like a day job again, right? And I was realizing, oh, I have a lot of bosses. Every client is a boss. Um, And... And then the fear really geared up. And I was like, Mm. oh, now I've found success. How do I maintain this success? How do I keep growing it? I'm exhausted. How do I have a family at the same time? It was just a lot, right? And so I'm just now after this year of burnout, after we published our book, I'm just now coming back around to, okay, fears in the back seat. For me, it's a lot more like parenting. Like there's no retaining wall. <laughs> yeah. The van hasn't gotten bigger. If anything, yep. the car has gotten smaller. It's shrunken
2: back down. Yeah.
1: But this kid is screaming at me. Uh, Pro parenting tip. Just <laughs> pretend like your kid is always tripping acid and you're just trying to keep them from having a bad trip, right? Yeah. And yeah. so you just need to like protect them and make them feel safe. So that's what I've done with my fear is I've said, okay, you're. I hear you screaming at me. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired? What is it that you need to shut up? And then I give it that thing, right? So that thing might be... Looking at my bank account and really organizing things, or going through a CEO day kit and getting it on paper and seeing, okay, what's our plan? You know, having a plan in place oftentimes mitigates fear. It is looking at, okay, what is enough? It's really just analyzing it and looking at it and saying, okay, you're good. I'm going to go ahead and launch this thing anyway. I'm going to go ahead and do this thing anyway. Also, Becoming completely okay with being average has been huge for my mindset lately. Like, I do actually don't have to be the best. I don't have to be the fitness model. I don't have to be the number one podcast. I don't have to have a seven-figure launch. I can just be completely average. And life is pretty good.
2: I think some of that, first of all, that to me is kind of like the ethos of my book is like, you're, what you're saying is average is what I say is weird so it's you finding your own baseline it's you finding your own thing, but I do think that that's kind of the thing that you can't tell people, which is you kind of have to go for being a seven figure business. You kind of have to go for having a number one podcast on iTunes only to realize that what it takes to get that is not what you want to be doing, and you const- like i think we all like especially you ladies know like you're you're women in entrepreneurship who constantly see other women in entrepreneurship who are doing like the perfect, like, I think it's just different between men and women. Like when I look at female entrepreneurs on Instagram, I just look at like, gosh, like I kind of just wish there was just more like real you, you know, like, I, but I understand also that like the time that we live in and I'm not one to necessarily like take this conversation on, but it's like a man can pose all these different photos and do all these different things. And it's a much less scrutiny. And then a woman does all this different stuff, but then there's also the business thing and that whole side of it. And I think that coming to that baseline is so important for everybody but i do think that like the harsh reality is you kind of have to go for it a little bit until you realize again hot stove moment of like yeah but i don't want to do that i don't want the perfectly posed life on instagram i don't want the perfect podcast that's number one on itunes because i know we have to like structure every episode and record every sound bite and do this and then have the soundboard of Lil john and we have to pay Lil john every single episode you know it's like <laughs> you have to do all these things that you don't want to do at all and and that to me is just such a interesting part of this that over time, I think it only comes to realize or show itself and kind of present itself as that is an actual opportunity that's okay as well to be quote unquote average or to be weird or to just be who you want to be. And that is good enough. And that is interesting. And that is unique. And that is going to bring success to you and how you define it.
1: A huge part of figuring this out too, as you go, is having conversations with people. So what people might not know is that the four of us, the fourth not being here is Paul. <laughs> so Emily and I, with you, Jason, and Paul Jarvis, we each get together once a month and we chat through like what we're working on. We're talking about work. We're talking about life. We're talking about how much money we're making. We're talking about what's working. We're talking about what's not working. And for me, that has what it, that has helped me sort through what it is that I value what you know what's working for you and am I willing to do that Mm. what's not working for you that I might be especially skilled at and that's easy for me you know and so it's really figuring out context with people that you trust and people that are going to be candid with you and honest with you and that's just i just want to make sure that i i throw that out here too is that you have to have real conversations with an inner circle of people that you trust that you can get incredibly candid with and it will just help you figure it out as you go that's why we hit publish on these conversations
2: and i love those conversations too cuz like even in the times that we've been doing them emily started almanac while we were doing it. And I love it because I'm like, well, eventually I want to do some physical product stuff. So now I have this person that I have a great connection with that I can ask all these questions. And I think you see that probably Emily all the time on those calls. I'm always like, tell me about Almanac, you know, like what's going on? Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Like, I remember when it like the storage of Almanac was behind you in our calls and it was like, oh, what do you have? You know, like what's going on? And now it's moved to its own space. And, And I think that those conversations become so much more effective at helping you grow at helping you get motivated inspired as opposed to like continual scrolling and following and consuming of other people who are just having only a highlight reel of their lives being shown but yeah we have these calls and and you know and i'm just throwing this out as an example but emma could be like oh like all of our inventory didn't show up on time you know and like we couldn't like that didn't happen to you but like that's a real thing that I can hear from you. And I go, oh, okay. So for me, I kind of put that in the back of my mind. Like I'm going to have to deal with inventory issues if I start a physical products company. But Kathleen, your point is that like surrounding yourself with like-minded people, I think even people that are on your same level too is helpful. It's why for me, I've never had a mentor because I feel like my competitive nature, I would just want to be that person or I would want to beat that person. And it's why I've never sought to have any of those people. I've always just said, Where are the Paul Jarvises of my life? There's only only one Paul Jarvis in the world. Come on, let's be honest. (laughs) Company of one, but also Paul of one. Um, But like, how do you find those people? And that just becomes looking for them, looking in groups, joining groups. Like, I think that's why having a membership community, you ladies had a membership community. We currently have one. People start to create connections within that community that are incredible because they're on a like-minded scale. And you're not trying to go for some big thing that doesn't really kind of resonate with what you actually want in your life
1: the last thing i want to mention about that is that entrepreneurship isn't going anywhere if anything it's growing more and more we've all heard the stats that by 2021 75% of the united states is going to be working for themselves <laughs> i'm making that up I? <laughs> this is totally silly. what <laughs> I just totally we need a fact check. Section. I think it's actually
2: I think it is 40% is actual the actual number that they've forecasted. But you're right, like it is Okay,
1: 40% because yeah. I was actually thinking legitimately 50% and I only see it growing. And the opportunity that I really see here though is that it's going to become less of a scary uncertain unknown thing. More and more people are doing it. And my hope is that we can all band together and demand certain benefits or change the culture of the workforce. I think that already is becoming so much more flexible and um, accommodating to, I don't know, having your kid home for the day or being able to run into like mental health issues for a few weeks or months at a time. Um, so that's really exciting to me. And I, I hope that it eases some of the anxiety of working for yourself is that everyone's gonna be in on it together.
2: But I think that two things are going to happen there that you just have to be realistic about. One, when more people are there, it means that there's kind of more competition for those things. Now, more competition is good because that means that people are willing to pay for something. So that's fine. The second part of that is you have to own your weird so, that is how you stand out. It's why people hire braid creative. It's why Emily people buy from you and the things that you do. It's why people find the Being Boss podcast. It's why people pick up your book. It's why they pick up our products and stuff. It's because we have our own layer of difference kind of woven through all of our products and things and I think that you ladies you ladies talking here, people listening to this like. You look up to people, not just because of what they do, but because of who they are. And that for me is so much what I've found in my life is like, I'm just attracted to the weirdos. I'm attracted to the people who do things differently. That is going to become such an important thing in owning your own business and being an entrepreneur. It doesn't mean you have to be weird. It just means you have to find what makes you different and unique so that you do stand out from the 39 other percent of people who are now moving into this type of workforce.
1: I would like to wrap this up by asking you, what are like just some top line key takeaways that we can use to own our own weird? What would those be?
2: I think you touched on one, which is really defining your core values. So, you know, that's such a rote thing at this point. It's such a thing that so many people have said, but I think a lot of people read about it and see about it and they don't do about it. I didn't just make that up on the fly that for some reason is the same thing to get in my brain. But I do think that it's <laughs> something where people don't take the time To actually go, okay, let me sit down and write this out. Like, what are these things that matter to me? Not what have I read, not what is like someone else. Like, what is it for me? So I think that's number one. I think number two is realizing there is no map to success. There is no straight line to success. It's the map that you create. And for me, and what I've learned, and I think you ladies can uh, attest this, it's a treasure map. It's not a straight line drawn across two different continents. It's a weaving, winding, dotted, go through sunken treasures and you find a trip, a ship that's like shipwrecked and you have to navigate through. it. Like it's all these weird metaphors, but it's just, it's a weaving, winding path through becoming successful in whatever that means for you. And I think the last thing is just really owning who you are. So, again, you said average, Kathleen. I don't think you or Emily are average by any means at all. I think you both are so unique and fun. And it, I wouldn't spend time every month talking to you if you weren't. Like, I don't have interest in hanging around average people. I want to hang around people who inspire me, make me laugh or fun or interesting. And so figuring that out for yourself as a person who's just trying to navigate the world as well. You can do that. You just have to look within a little bit, and and truthfully, there are exercises throughout the book that help you do that. Um, but if people aren't going to buy the book, I don't care. Like it still to me just matters that someone goes, yeah, you know what? I am a little bit weird. Like I do crack jokes. I do have a Lil Jon soundboard I use all the time. Like it's whatever those things are for you. Those are the things that I think are the most important because it really starts to show you, oh yeah, life is worth living because I'm showing up 100% me. I am being. Sorry, Kathleen, authentic. And it it is true to who I am in in kind of this space.
0: Wonderful. I'm so glad that you came. <laughs> 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 Kathleen, you can't <laughs> duck out like that. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> Kathleen's hiding.
0: <laughs> See? Ya. Oh, Kathleen be cool. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's try it one more time. Thank you so much for coming to chat with us Jason. You told us where people can get your book everywhere but Walmart. I'd where else Walmart, can people sadly. find you?
2: Uh yeah, wanderingaimfully.com is the uh, the business my wife and I run together. We're kind of just trying to figure it out like anybody else, you know. We've gone through some ups and downs. We've learned a lot of lessons this past year, but um yeah, all of our our YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff is linked from there. Um but yeah, just super excited for people to maybe try and own their weird if they listen to this and they're like yeah, okay. I want to know what this is about. This book seems weird. Uh, grab it. Not at Walmart. Sorry. Again, can't get it there. But uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks for listening. And hey, if you want more resources, we're talking worksheets, free trainings, in-person meetups, vacations, and more. Go to our website at www.beanboss.club. Do the work. Be boss.